Well, good morning, Four Points. How you doing? Good. How was spring break? Did anybody have a spring break? Like anybody go on vacation? Gosh, like one person. I feel so bad for you. Here's my prayer that if you didn't have spring break, you didn't have vacation this past week, um, that you will have one um, very, very soon. Uh, Austin and I got to go to a conference this week. Uh, we were bunk buddies um, at the ARC conference um, in, uh, where was that, Alabama? In Alabama, if you don't know, ARC is an organization that we are partnered with here at Four Points, and so we got to just hear from God and see God move in power, and so my heart, our hearts are full this morning as we come, uh, to, as I come to share with you. And this morning, I want to talk about the promise, the promise. About a year ago, a little over a year ago, God began to speak into the heart of the leaders at Four Points, and your pastor, Pastor Mark, he began to speak into your hearts about a new vision of ways that God was going to and desiring to increase the influence and footprint of Four Points Church for the gospel in our community. I want to talk this morning about receiving the promise. Pastor Mark shared this verse with you, Joshua 1 verse 3. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. And we received that promise for us here at Four Points Church. And then there's been some transitions, right? Since then, about three months ago, God called Mark to go pastor and to go serve in Tennessee where God is using him in an incredible way to do incredible things. And then three months later, this new guy showed up, this new crazy guy. Um, to sort of take up that torch and to move forward. But guys, this morning I want us to embrace the work that God wants to do. Because God is doing incredible things and he wants to do even greater things. This isn't new to you. Right? Four Points Church started in the vision and hearts of leaders. And then a church was planted at Pizza Inn. Right? If you go to like a church planting conference, you're not going to be like Pizza Inn where we should plant all churches, right? What a cool environment. And God moved, right? And more time went by and God provided this piece of property and Four Points Church continued to grow and God continued to move and, and we've had to expand and tear down walls and build new walls to maximize this space. And this is all work that God has done. But God wants to do something new. He wants to do even more. He wants to do more than you and I can imagine. And so I want to talk about receiving the promise this morning by asking two questions. The first question is why? The very beginning of any movement, of any big decision is the why question. Why are we building a new building, right? In your own life, why, why is God, why, why is God moving in your life in a particular way? Why is God moving in your family in a particular way? Why is it that you're seeking God to do certain things in your life and in your family? The why question, a very important question. But when it comes to the promise, here's the why. Number one, 
God gave us a mission. Hasn't he given us a mission? Listen to Matthew 28, verse 18. It's a passage you know. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples before he ascends to heaven. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Listen, guys. The world outside our doors is lost. They don't know Jesus. And what are we doing about it? We have a mission to reach our lost neighbors, to reach our lost coworkers to reach the people who are just driving by our church and, and stop in. That might be you this morning. You just drove by and you're like, man, I feel like going to church. I'll go there. But we're on a mission. And far too often, guys, in the church, like we have all these things we're dreaming of, all these things we're doing, but sharing the gospel with other people is like, is like one of the things. And it's not even that important to us. I had a pastor tell me one time, and I'm sure he was sharing an illustration he'd heard before. You know, there's nothing new <laughs> to be said that hasn't been said before. But he said this, said, Phil, you know that one day you're going to have your one billionth anniversary in heaven. Your one billionth anniversary with Jesus. A billion years. And when you look back on your life of 60, 70, 80, 90 years. How big is that going to seem to you? Microscopic, right? Compared to a billion years? But all the things that mattered happened then. There will be people who are in heaven with us that know Jesus because we took the time to obey the Holy Spirit and to tell them. And there will be people who will not be there because we did not take the time to tell them. I mean, in that moment, who cares what shoes you had? In that moment, who cares what car you drove? In that moment, who cares what your career was? In that moment, who cares what neighborhood you lived in? I mean, guys, maybe you're, men, maybe you're here today and you're working way too much overtime because you're trying to get somewhere, well, let me tell you, a billion years after you've been in heaven, you're gonna feel like it was absolutely worthless. What was it even for? Didn't spend time with my kids because I was trying to get somewhere. Get where? And we live our lives and we're a light wherever we go. But listen, guys, we have a mission. We are here for a reason. And that reason is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in our community. That's the why number one. Number two, because God gave us a vision. Listen, I wasn't here when the promised vision was first 
cast, but I believe that God spoke to you. I believe that God spoke to Pastor Mark. And I believe that God is speaking confirmation into my own heart. And guys, when we have a vision from the Lord, we see it come to fulfillment. And we don't quit until it's happened. And it's him who's doing the work. Why number three is good stewardship. Guys, we have a piece of land. That piece of land is more than half paid for right now. And this might blow your mind. Those of you who have some experience in real estate might know what I'm talking about here. But after we build our new building, guys, that is going to cost us pretty close to what it costs us to rent this. It's like buying a house. Doesn't it make more sense to invest in what belongs to you than to constantly be paying somebody else to use their space? All we need is to pay off that land and we're halfway there and we will lay the cement and we will build a building that God put in our hearts to build. It's good stewardship. And lastly, our family's growing. That's the why number four. You know, my wife and family, we live in Spartanburg. And we used to live in this house on First Avenue in Spartanburg, pretty close to where we live now. And we didn't have a big house. We had a pretty normal size house, single-story house, a couple of bedrooms. And, and uh, we're happy there, right? But guess what happened? We began to have more kids. <laughs> right? We began to have more kids. Do You know, you got to have room for kids. <laughs> And we became foster parents, right? So now we needed to have like open beds in our house where kids could come and stay. And Corey and I, we have a vision, you know, when kids come into our home through foster care, like the, their outcomes are usually not decided what's happening to them. And, and the goal is always to try to reunite families together. But we've committed any child who's been in our home is our child. And any child who becomes legally free for adoption, we will adopt them. We're committed to that. You know, Jesus is a father who adopts. Our family is growing. And we've got room here for, for a few more people, right? Except in the kids area. We're like a church of mostly kids and some adults, right? We got kids who bring their parents to Four Points Church for the donuts. My son told me this past week we left after being here for the first Sunday. I said, how did you guys like it? My son Silas says, I love it. It's the best church I've ever been to. He ate like four donuts, like five bags of popcorn. <laughs> it's just the table of the Lord, you guys. <laughs> but our family is growing, guys, and we don't want just a little bit of room for just a few more people. We want people to come in, to feel welcome, and you make them feel welcome, but to know there's room for them. Because listen, God has big plans for Four Points Church. We're going to build a new building and then that building is going to be full. Do you know why? Because we're preaching the good news. Sometimes we think that God doesn't want to use willing vessels. He doesn't use us when we think it's about us. 
When we're preaching the good news and loving people, listen, people can't stay away from a church like that. We just have to make sure our hearts are right. We have to make sure that we're preaching the good news. So let's build this new building. That'll be a starting point for all that God is going to do in and through Four Points Church. That's what God is saying in my heart. So that's the why. So let's talk about the how. We've answered the why. How? How is God going to bring this about? In our church. The first thing is through faith. Some of you probably remember on February 10th, I was the guest preacher here, um, and I was actually auditioning for the job. Y'all didn't even know it. <laughs> Thanks for making me look good. It worked. Um, no. But on February 10th, we were, I was here preaching, and, and we talked about this word faith a little bit, so I won't get into it a lot. But we talked about how in the Greek language, which is the language the New Testament was written in, by the way, Jesus didn't speak a lick of English, okay? No English at all. Um, but this word for, for faith is, is the same word as trust. And we talked about how faith is not this like, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, kind of an attitude. It's, it's I know God, I'm in a relationship with God, I trust God. So that's what I mean when I say faith. And on that Sunday, I talked about from Ephesians chapter 3, and we talked about God's love and the product of God's love. So I just want to read this one passage from that passage, and that we're going to take something out of it, okay? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Some of you know this verse. You may have it tattooed on your back or something. Ephesians 3, 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Ask or imagine. Do you know that God wants you to dream? He wants you to dream. He created you and I with an imagination so that we could dream. So that we could, we could lay in bed at night just thinking of all the things that God could do. And not just, you know, living with our head in the clouds, but knowing that God is actually able to do all of those things. You know, when God is moving in and through his church, he's not wearing a seatbelt. He's full throttle ahead empowering, moving. He's never slowing us down when we're doing his kingdom work. He's waiting for us to be ready. He's waiting for us to be humble. He's waiting for us to take the risks. But they're not really risks. When you serve a mighty God. Do you know who's really good at dreaming big dreams? Kids are. <laughs> Right? Kids are. Like, kids want to be NBA stars or NFL players, right? Kids want to, like, have a YouTube channel and have, like, millions of viewers and millions of dollars. Right? Kids want to be so good at a video game, like, people are going to watch them on Twitch, right? What is that? On Twitch? And um, <laughs> they're going to play video games all day, every day, and make millions of dollars. Your daughter, she may want to be a unicorn trainer. I mean, who knows? <laughs> Who knows, right? But kids dream big dreams. I dreamed big, I dreamed big dreams when I was a kid. You know what I wanted to be when I grew up? Garbage man. <laughs> I had so much faith. 
You guys don't know this. Garbage, garbage trucks now, they have like a robotic arm, you know, that like does all the work. But when I was a kid, there was like two guys on the back, and they're just like trucking down the road, like holding on to the back of the truck. And I remember seeing the trash man riding on the outside of the truck and thinking to myself, that guy is living the dream. <laughs> Hashtag retirement. You know, maybe it's not too late. <laughs> maybe one day I can do that. I'm retire from ministry when I'm like, you know, 90 and I'll, I'll be a trash man. That'd be cool. But in a similar way, God wants to, us to dream big and he wants us to dream about big things, especially when it comes to reaching the lost, especially when it comes to doing his kingdom work. He wants us to dream like that. And listen, guys, when we dream big dreams that are in the heart of God, the potential is limitless, absolutely limitless. It's not because of us. It's just because of him. He's looking for people to work through. He's looking for churches who will trust him for bigger things. So God gave us a vision for the promise. We've been good stewards of what he's given us. God wants to do new things in a new season. And God is gonna give us the promise through faith, but also through prayer. Read with me in Matthew chapter seven, verse seven. It's another passage you may know. Matthew 7, verse 7 says this, ask and it will be given to you. This, is, this, this phrase is talking about like your needs and your desires, the things you can hold in your hand. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. This phrase is talking about wisdom, understanding, knowledge, truth. Knock and the door will be opened. This phrase is talking about opportunity and influence. These are the things that we pray for, aren't they? Ask, seek, and knock. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And I love this next part, guys. This is Jesus talking. We're going to see a little bit of Jesus' snarkiness, all right, right here. He says, which of you... If your sons ask for bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, and we are, right, without the work of God in our lives? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? We come to God asking for things and we think to ourselves, oh, he doesn't really want to. Guys, here, here's where we in, in sort of charismatic circles get it wrong sometimes. We think if we pray hard enough, beg long enough, repeat the song long enough, our voice becomes louder to God. It's a lie. God's not waiting for you to prove anything. 
You don't have to chase after God. He's right here. He's always been right here. Jesus says, what? You think God doesn't want to give you good things? What, do you, do you think he's going to trick you? Do you think he's trying to disappoint you? Jesus is like, you wouldn't do that to your kids. Why do you think things like that about me? Isn't that what he's saying? God wants us to ask. God wants us to believe that he's a good father, a better father than we are, a better mother than you are, a better father maybe than we had. God's in a whole other zone when it comes to being a good father. He wants to bless us. He wants you and I to experience his lavish generosity. We can approach God with our dreams and concerns and requests with confidence that he listens because he is a good father who gives good gifts and likes it. But we have to keep a right focus. There's another side of this. Because we know who God is. But it also matters who we are. It also matters why we want what we want. We have to keep a right focus. Listen to James chapter 4 verse 1. I like James. He's like the apostle that just kicks you in your shin. That's like the book of James is just, you know. Here's what James says. He's just getting real. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. He's not saying you're a murderer. This word for kill in Greek is also the word for destroy. Can you destroy someone with what you say about them? There's a lot of ways that we can destroy someone. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You hear what James is saying here? Do you know what stops the fulfillment of the dreams God has given us? Entitlement? Envy? Pride? Self-glory? God hears all of our prayers, guys. He answers the prayers that are in our heart because they're in God's heart too. We don't want anything that God doesn't want. I mean, think about it. God is all powerful. He's everywhere and he knows everything. He knows what's gonna happen in your life in the next five minutes, 30 seconds, 30 years. He knows everything. Why would we ever want something that God didn't want for us? Doesn't that just seem really stupid? <laughs> we don't know. Listen, sometimes I probably pray for things God doesn't give me because he knows it won't be good for me. Listen, I know why I'm not a millionaire. Do you want to know why I'm not a millionaire? 
Because of how much money I spent at the gas station. That's why. God's like, Phil, you've not been trusted with little, so I will not give you much, right? God knows what's good for me. If my kids said, hey, Dad, for Christmas, I want a tank. I'm not going to buy them a tank. For one reason, I can't afford it, but for two, I mean, no good could come out of me buying them a tank. God doesn't answer our selfish, self-seeking, and self-glorifying prayers, even if we make them sound spiritual. You know that we do that? I'm so thankful that God brought us here when, when I was 40 years old and not when I was 25 because I was one arrogant little sucker when I was 25. I thought I knew everything about ministry, but I hadn't experienced the pain to really understand ministry. And I still don't understand. But you know, in the world of pastors, for example, man, there are young guys out there right now and they're looking at really big churches and they're thinking, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. God doesn't answer those prayers. I could be that, I could be that, I could be that. God doesn't answer those prayers. Because God isn't interested in us being great for our greatness sake. He's interested in doing great things through us for his kingdom's sake. Because at the end of the day, guys, our kingdom doesn't matter. It has no significance. It has no value. If what we do isn't for his kingdom, it is meaningless. God doesn't answer those kinds of prayers, not for us as individuals or for us as a church. So why are we building a new building? That's a good question. Why do you want that promotion? Why do you want your kids to go to that college? Why do you want your kids to succeed at that particular sport? Why do you want more influence? Good questions. The why matters, and here's the crazy thing. God already knows the answer to that question. We don't have to tell him. He doesn't even have to look and see. He just knows it. But thank God he's a gracious God who uses fools like us. Ultimately, these passages, while, while they're talking to us about prayer, are also challenging us to treasure the right things, and the right thing in particular. So Jesus is the greatest promise. Jesus is the prize. You know, today is Palm Sunday in more traditional churches. You know what happened on Palm Sunday? Jesus rode into Jerusalem, right? On a donkey. And people were just going ham. I mean, they were like throwing down branches and their coats and their underwear. No, probably not their underwear. Just throwing things down. And the donkey was riding on those. And they were honoring him and celebrating him. But in a very short amount of time, they crucified him. Here's what a lot of people don't know. Do you know how kings rode into Jerusalem when they were being inaugurated as king? On a donkey. 
Jesus, in a sense, was proclaiming his kingship. But it wasn't the kingship they were looking for. Right? They saw Jesus riding on a donkey. They're like, finally, we can kick these Romans out of Israel. Finally, we can stop paying taxes to Caesar. Finally, things are going to go the way we think they should go. But Jesus didn't come to bring that kind of kingdom, did he? He came to do something better, way better. He came to set us free. He came to save our souls. He came to bring us into relationship with him. You and I need to know and always live in the reality that the greatest promises of all are the promises given to us in Jesus And guys, we're going to go real deep for a second. This relationship with Jesus is so good that you and I could lose everything else in our lives and still be happy. A relationship with Jesus is so good that you and I could lose everything else in our lives and still survive? Nope. Be happy. Anytime I give something else priority in my life, including my own happiness, I'm just showing that I don't get it. Anytime I'm willing to compromise what scripture says with the excuse that I wouldn't really be happy if I obeyed, I'm just showing I don't really understand. Because Jesus is so good that I could lose everything else I value and still be happy. There is no greater prize than Jesus No happier life than a life lived out of trust and obedience. When it comes to the promise, we believe that God has spoken to us and we know what God has called us to do. We've been called to have a great impact in our community. We can trust and believe God that he both placed that dream in our hearts and that he's going to fulfill it. So we need to have faith and we need to pray. But we also need to be faithful. Read with me in Acts 4 verse 32. I love this passage of scripture. It's a, it's a window into the first century church. All the believers were one heart and mind. Oh, if it was like that today. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. 
Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. It's a great nickname. Sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So here's the thing, guys. In the Old Testament, was instituted this idea of tithing. Tithing is the money that we all give, not to our church, but through our church. Okay? The church is just a conduit for what's in your life flowing into the kingdom work around you. What you give into the church, and, and pastors tithe too, right? We all give in. And God takes those, that, those funds and resources and time and effort, and he uses it for his kingdom. So in the Old Testament, the standard was 10%, right? Here's the New Testament standard. Everything. As a believer in Jesus, guys, God hasn't given us permission to own anything that's not his. Even our lives. So giving and being faithful is very important to the work of God, guys. I heard an interesting quote. I thought it was good. It said, this past week I heard this quote and it said, God is not going to gift you something. He's gifted you to build. Right? This new building is not going to just appear in thin air. Because God likes to work through our obedience and sacrifice. He provides and we're a conduit for what he gives us. We give through our church and the church is a conduit out into the world. That's how it works. Maybe you're thinking this morning, well, Phil, I haven't tithed in a while. I don't tithe because I'm going through hard times. You don't know what I'm dealing with. Well, tell us about it. That's why other people give. Let us help you. Let us help you. You don't have to hide in the shadows with your financial struggles. Come and talk to us about it. Let us help. Maybe you're thinking, well, Phil, I don't, I don't tithe or give to the church because the church is just greedy and all they want is my money. Listen, you got to be at a church where you trust that God is working. If you're at a church where you don't trust that the church is going to handle things correctly, you need a new pastor and a new church, guys. But if we all agree in the vision, then we all sacrifice. If you, if you and I, guys, if we're not giving sacrificially, we're probably not giving enough. Do we agree with the vision? Are we excited? I'm excited about what God is doing. My wife and I, we're making financial sacrifices toward the promise and towards our church. But it's not a burden. It's exciting. God is moving in a powerful way. Listen, you're looking at a guy who's never going to show up here on a Sunday morning in a Ferrari. Never going to do it. You know why? Because my kingdom is not here. My value is not here. You're never going to see Austin and I on preachers and sneakers. I don't know if you've seen that Instagram or not. Right? Maybe preachers in Old Navy. <laughs> or uh, 
Pastors in shoe rack, you know? Somebody make that Instagram. Throw us up there. We'll, we'll do it. But here's a good plan, okay? In your budget, set aside 10% to give through your church, 10% to put in your savings account, and 80% to use for everything else. Giving to the promise is, is, an, is an extra gift. So pray about what in that 80% God wants you to give toward the promise. Put envelopes on your fridge. Tithe, savings, spend, promise. Make envelopes for your kids. God doesn't care how much. He doesn't care. You know, in Luke chapter 21, Jesus shares a story about seeing a, a widow giving gifts in the temple treasury, and she only gives two, two pennies, basically. And Jesus says, that woman, she gave more than everyone else. The others gave out of their wealth. In other words, it didn't hurt at all. It's just like, okay, I'll tip God. <laughs> and then she, Jesus said, gave all that she had out of faith. So it's not about the amount. You know, set your kids up with a cookie cart on the side of the road. <laughs> you will take that. God will take that. But guys, I'm ready to receive the promise, aren't you? We drive by that sign every week. But listen, it's time for that sign to come down and for a building to be built. Let's receive it. Let's see God work. He's big enough. It's just the beginning. Let's do it. We've got kids. We need room. Let's build a house. Let's welcome our community, guys. I think it'll only be the beginning because God wants to use us. Our hearts are in the right place. We've been good stewards of what we have. And God has lit a fire, and that's why I'm yelling right now. So let's get after it. Let's receive the promise. I want to leave you with a few things as we are approaching Easter next week. Do you know next week is Easter? Guys, I am looking forward to it. We are going to celebrate big because <laughs> we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. But do you know that Easter is the Sunday where lost people will tend to show up at church? They're going to drive by Four Points or one of our signs outside of Pizza Inn or, you know, Austin's house or something. And, and they're going to be like, you know, my mom and daddy used to take me to church. I should go to church on Easter. And they'll show up in here. And we'll have the opportunity to be the love of Jesus to them. A community centered on Jesus to them. I promise I'll preach the gospel. So we need to be ready. Secondly, we need to invite people in your seat. There are invite cards. Listen, don't throw that on the dashboard of your truck and then next week throw it out. <laughs> invite people. Take that card up to someone, man. Just, just take the risk. Just say, hey, you know, I go to church. I don't know if you do, but I'd like you to come with me. They're not going to be offended with you. They might say no. God has given them the freedom to say no. We don't try to coerce people 
into coming to church with us, but invite, because they may come to know Christ. And here's an idea. You ever thought about inviting a lost family over to your house for Easter lunch? I'm not talking about, you know, being like an Amway salesman and like bait and switching people like, hey, you know, I thought you wanted me to be your friend, but I really want to tell you about Jesus. Don't do that. Don't do that. We got to love people whether they know Jesus or not. But here's what you can do. You can say to that lost neighbor, hey, you know, my family, you know, I go to church and stuff and my family grew up. We always have this traditional Easter lunch. I don't know you guys very well, but we'd just love to hang out with you. Would you guys like to come over to our house for lunch? Nobody's going to be offended with you. And then here's what you can do while you're eating dinner. You can say, you know, like I said, my family's had this tradition of Easter and, you know, and my dad would always, you know, share the story about Easter and what Jesus did. Do you mind if I just share that story? Now, don't have an invitation at the end. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't bow your heads, raise your hand. Like, don't, you know, don't have, you know, cards for them to fill out at the end. Like, that's not what you're doing, but what you are doing is you're planting the seed of truth. And you're extending relationship. You see, when people trust you, they listen to you. When people see your values lived out in your life, then they understand those values. They understand the impact that knowing Jesus has on you. So think about inviting someone over to your house for Easter lunch. Here's the invitation this morning. Maybe you're here today and you didn't know that Jesus was the prize. You've heard about Jesus. You've heard good things about Jesus. You've even heard about Jesus' love, but this idea of Jesus can make me so happy, nothing else matters. Now you've never thought of it that way. That can change today. And it's not a magic trick. It's just a conversation. You just say, God, I want to know you like that. God, I want your love to become so real to me that it's so much more important than everything else in my life. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. You're like, Phil, I haven't even started that journey. I'm that guy you were talking about. I was driving by and thought I'd pop in. Jesus wants you to have new life today. And it's not a magic trick. You just have to believe that God is real, that you screw up, that God sent his son Jesus to die for your screw-ups so that you could be saved and then give him your life. Say, God, I'm sick of life my way. I want life your way. I give you my life. And you, you will transfer from death to life. And your world will change. You don't even have to repeat that prayer after me. You can just say it right now. And guess what? You can even have your eyes open because God doesn't care. Just talk to him. Only thing I ask is that you fill out that card in the back of your seat so that I can know, so that we can know that you gave your life to Christ and we can come alongside you and encourage you. We don't want anything else from you. And here's the last thing. Maybe you're here today. We've been talking about the promise. 
But there's something you're facing in your life where you're like, Phil, I'm trusting God with something right now. I don't know how I'm gonna get out of this. I don't know how I'm gonna get through this. I don't know what the answer is. But I need God to show up. I've been praying, I need God to move. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm gonna ask you in a minute to raise your hand and I'm only doing that because I think most of us are there, right? I want you to raise your hand if you're facing something in your life that you need God to answer a prayer today. You need God to heal something in your life today. You need God to make something happen in an area of your life today, right? We're there. Let's pray, Father. God, we're so thankful for who you are. You don't even have to look down from heaven to see us raise our hands. You're right here with us. Father, you know the need. Here we are, God, move in power. Heal what's broken. Provide what's needed. We surrender ourselves to you. We only want your will. Father, I pray for your blessing on everyone who's here this morning. I pray for a powerful move of your Holy Spirit in every single life this morning. God, I pray for a powerful move of your Spirit in my life this morning. God, I pray that you would equip us and send us, Lord, to be a light in our community. God, I pray that many would come to know you as Lord and Savior. God, I pray that Four Points Church would continue to be surrendered to you. And God, we are excited and, and we are anticipating all that you will do in the future. We're ready to be mind-blown because you are a mind-blowing God. Here we are. Use us. Send us. Fill us. Accomplish your work in us. In Jesus' name, amen.